Blog Talk Radio. Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom and insight, empowerment and liberation, promoting knowledge that is engaging and transforming, empowering our listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey by calling in on our line, 917-388-4293. You can join us live in the chat room, blogtalkradio.com. We are live streaming here, and uh, we are in the chat room, so you can join us. You can shoot us an email is at ltneal at cox.net. Join us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. However else you can join us, feel free to join the dialogue. This is another day that the Lord has made, and we are truly glad, and we rejoice, and we're glad in it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We know that you are the author and finisher of our faith, and we thank you that here we are in this last week of December, the ninth month of the year, and you've been faithful to us and you kept us from all harm and danger 
and you preserved our souls until this very moment. We are grateful to you. We do ask that you forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Best broadcast and all those listeners to us today. In the name we pray, amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today. We do realize this is not at our regular scheduled time. We had a conflict that we had to adjust to, and nonetheless, we are glad that God saw fit for us to still be able to be on the air today. We do not take this lightly. We realize that God has blessed us and enabled us to be able to do this. And we want to thank you for who, all of those who are listening. If you're listening live, we appreciate you. If you're listening on the, in the chat room or uh, even if you're listening to the broadcast, uh, the archive broadcast, we just want to express our complete thanks for you. You're helping the show grow, and we appreciate it. And for those of you who don't know, uh, I rarely share this, but... Um, I, I shared in the first couple of episodes what zebra actually means. Zebra comes from the Hebrew word. It is a Hebrew word that means seed. And we're sowing seeds of life, liberty, knowledge, and that's our job. The scripture says in First uh, Corinthians three that there there's one who there's one that scatters that sows the seed, and there's another one who waters the seed, and um, someone will come and, and reap the seed. But ultimately, God is the one who gives the increase. So we're just doing our job of sowing seeds of life to all we come in contact with, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, if you get a chance, you can go to our church website, www.ltdealministries.com, and uh, if you get a chance, just take the time to read through there, see what we have to offer, uh, and uh, if you would like to, leave a donation for us. Uh, we do have a book out uh, called A Breach in the Family. And I'm not big on promoting myself, but uh, this book has gotten some great reviews from those who have purchased it and read it. Uh, it's an insight to a lot of the dysfunction that goes on into our families, that's happening in our families that we don't acknowledge or we brush under the rug, so to speak. But I encourage you, if you get a chance, you can order it online, Amazon.com. You can uh, go to Barnes & Nobles. It's available. You can get it at your local bookstore. You can go to the website. And I just mentioned, order it. But uh, we want we know if you get it, it will be a blessing in your life. Well, I hope everyone did have a very good weekend. Uh, it is fall, and I tell you, down here in Louisiana, it felt like fall. Man, it was wonderful. The weather was beautiful. The sun was shining. Now, we could say that this weekend because it was raining most of the weekend, and I let out a sigh because, yes, our Saints did lose yesterday to the Falcons. But we weren't disappointed because it was an overtime. Now, well, we were disappointed at the kicker, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Who that nation is still in effect. So uh, they'll do even better this week because it's another home game. And if you ever get a chance to come to the Dome and see a game live, boy, I tell you, it is one noisy place. But um, we we had a good weekend. It was it was the Sugarcane Festival weekend here in South Louisiana, and I tell you, well, Louisiana we find festivals to have sugarcane, uh, <laughs> New Orleans. We we find festivals. We find a reason to party down here. So uh, again, we want to encourage you. If you ever get a chance to come down and visit, you know you enjoy it. Let's start off some news stories on on Thursday. Um, if you've forgotten the. Congress passed in March of this year the Affordable Health Care Act, and on Thursday, which was the sixth uh, six-month anniversary of the passing of the bill by Congress, um, some of the parts, some parts of the bill went into effect. And I was blessed to be able to be on a conference call with uh, uh, several other faith-based leaders and uh, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, in the and President Obama was on the line with us for a very brief moment to help us get out the information and spread the word about what the Health Care Act um, involved. And I'm going to be honest with you, um, I wasn't a staunch supporter of it. There were some things in it bill that I uh, strongly uh, opposed. And, of course, the media and uh, Fox News and other news outlets were um, pushing some of the more radical and extreme version of the bill. But um, this conference call did prove to be very illuminating about some of the things that are available. And uh, because I represent churches in the black community, 
uh, a great deal of when it when it affect is directly beneficial for the African community. I'm going to show you a little bit what they said. Uh, some of the things that when it affects with this uh, bill as of Thursday. Uh, as of Thursday, small businesses uh, became eligible eligible for tax credits uh, for providing health care to their employees, which means if they can get it. Uh, for every employee, they can write it off tax time. And, and, uh, every businessman, woman, and person knows that write-offs and deductions make you or break you sometimes. So that, that is a positive uh, output from the bill. Secondly, um, those of you with children, um, this is good. Uh, you have age, you'll be able to keep your children on your health insurance if you have it. Uh, they'll be able to be stay on your health insurance till they reach age 26. So yeah, that's another positive thing. Uh, now you know uh, it's already good that they can claim you when you're in college. But <laughs> the great thing is they can also claim you if you're married, and <laughs> your spouse will be a part of that also. So kind of neat thing, you know. I don't know how that'll work out, but it's uh, good news to a lot of people. Also, this is what what I I really like. Uh, if you've ever had some kind of insurance done, you had to go to the hospital for anything, uh, if you make a mistake on the paperwork, all things can go awry. Uh, but now insurance can, companies cannot cancel your insurance because of mistakes on paperwork, whatever it may be. If you, you know, misspell your middle name, <laughs> sometimes they could deny coverage on that. But they can no longer do that, so that's a great thing. Also, this, uh, this bill covers prevention. And that's what is really important for African American community uh, preventing. In other words, if you need uh, to do a, have a mammogram, blood pressure screening, things of that nature, anything that's preventative, like diabetic care, uh, you know, in our in the African community, African American community, black community, we have high um, high rates of HIV, AIDS. We have high rates of um, stroke, heart disease heart attacks among young, among black men, uh, breast cancer among black women, uh, and um, actually, um, excuse me, cancer is becoming uh, high in the African-American community. So prevention is key, and now insurance companies can cover uh, preventative care. So, you know, you borderline diabetic or, you know, you border if you got you know, stroke in the family, strokes running in the family, high blood pressure, that kind of care is now covered. Uh, in, in some cases, it's always been covered. Uh, you know, if you could afford it, it would be covered, but now it would be affordable to everyone. Uh, and what I really like is now it bans insurance companies from charging you um, if you have to go out of the network. And, if you know, for example, if you have a hospital, uh, you're, you're on vacation somewhere, and and something happens, and you have to go to that hospital, and you know your insurance company won't cover. Uh, yeah, they 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 go on and on, it won't cover you. But now they can no longer do that, so that's a great thing. And um, people like me with pre-existing conditions, I'm diabetic, I'm type one diabetic, been that way for just about all my life. Um, pre-existing uh, conditions. Thank God I'm in a group coverage, so I don't have to worry about it. But if I had to get individual coverage, you know. Uh, uh, as with life insurance, you know, you get denied because of that pre-existing condition. Well, it's in the long term, it's uh, going to be able to allow everyone to, even with pre-existing conditions, to, to be a part of that. So that's a great thing. And in the long term, uh, it's going to re reduce a lot of these charges, bloated charges and things that uh, insurance companies charge you, hospitals charge you because of very, uh, very things. And, uh, you know, it should reduce it between four and six percent, which is a good thing. But most of that, most of the true benefits that some people are looking for uh, or pushing for, won't take effect for uh, another four years or so. So we, it's some time, some time down the road. And there's still some things that I have, um, you know, I don't agree with. And for those Republicans who are pledging to repeal this massive bill, I can understand why they would want to do so, but. Uh, just from the perspective as a black pastor who serves the black community, it is not in our best interest that they do so. And, you know, I've stated why for those reasons. But, uh, again, some of those went into effect, so 
it's a good thing for some people, maybe not for everyone, but again, um, uh, election time is coming up. It's just about 38, 39, uh, 36 days away, give or take, in November 2nd. So if you have a problem with it, get the bums out, plain and simple. Uh, make sure you are informed voter when you get ready to go to the polls, and I, I'll be addressing that later. And, and, of course, the biggest news of the week the absolute biggest news of the week comes from Atlanta, Georgia, and the person of Bishop Eddie Long, who is the pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. Um, I, you know, I've looked up to this guy since I was a young man, a uh, young preacher, and to hear what he's going through, uh, I can only imagine uh, the intensity of the emotionals, the emotions and the drama and all of that that's going on not just in Atlanta, uh, but across the country and around the world because of them. Of course, if you don't know, (laughs) if you've been on the moon somewhere or in the desert without television, uh, last week uh, what began with two young men filing suit that he allegedly attempted to coerce them into sexual relations, followed by another one and a fourth man, all all alleging what he had uh, alleging that he used his position and authority as pastor of the church, New Birth Church, uh, to get them into an alleged sexual relationship. And the young man alleged that he took them, he showered them with gifts, he showered them with trips, um, uh, all kinds of things. Um, and, of course, you know, the sexual uh, relations part of it. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I've been getting talk calls and emails and questions about it, and my whole point is, my whole reaction has been that um, the whole the whole matter is is one of accountability, one of um, integrity, and it doesn't matter whether the accusations allegations are true or not. The reality is that. We are, as pastors, we are held to a higher standard, and I can by no means judge him because I've been in his boat before. You know, if any pastor would tell you that it's easy for people to begin to allege things about you, you know, when it comes to money, when it comes to women, when it comes to, um, well, that's basically it for most black men. For most black pastors, it's money or women. Um, <laughs> but um, um, it, it, it is a sad thing. And I've been going through this, and I stay with Scripture and Scripture, and I say these young men uh, were not fully aware of what Scripture says about bringing lawsuits against uh, your fellow Christian, your brother, sister in Christ. You know, uh, we're not to do that. We're not encouraged to do that. Secondly, uh, the Scripture uh, teaches us that if there's any alt. With the brother, then you ought to take it through the church first. You know, you start there. Of course, you can't do that if it's the pastor, but there's always should be some type of uh, hierarchy. There should be a council of elders or deacons that the pastor should be should answer to or be uh, accountable to. And uh, in my case, you know, we have that in African Methodism and Methodism period. But you know, and Catholicism and all that, but it's still people fall through the cracks and you're able to get through with things. But there's a system of accountability. And secondly, Scripture says if uh, you find any among you are called to fall, go to them, pray for them, and try to restore them, but also be aware of your own self that you may be able to fall into that same temptation. And so for all those who are quick to throw stones and quick to... Uh, do all of this stuff for him, we must realize the scripture teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in the society that we we live in today, uh, I know what it's like to fall into sexual immorality. I know what it's like to fall in all kinds, you know, things of that nature that you don't intend to get into, but it happens and you repent. You go to the Lord, repent. In my case, I not only did I repent before the Lord, but, you know, I had a good congregation one time that pulled me to the side when they saw that uh, something was appearing to be inappropriate. And, you know, Scripture says, do not let your good be equal, evil spoken of. Uh, and um, so when they appeared to be inappropriate, and they, they pulled me to the side and said, Pastor, we love you. 
We don't want to see you hurt. We don't want to see you damaged and, and in both ways. And, you know, it's good to have a congregation like that. And being young, it, I, I felt really great because they took the time to do that for me. Instead of letting me get all out, messed up, and, you know, in this condition where uh, Pastor Long, Bishop Long is in. But we must encourage uh, believers not to lose heart because of the situation. And, yes, people will be saying that that's full of hypocrites and and based on what Bishop Long promoted concerning homosexuality and things of that nature, he's catching a lot of uh, a lot of heat for that. But again, just continue to lift them up, lift up the victims uh, and their families and, uh, and the church. But I'm telling you this one thing about the black church. This is the unique thing I love about the black church. The black church will stand by their pastor <laughs> unless the pastor does something seriously wrong. Nine times out of ten, that church will not vote him out. you got to understand, because the Baptist denomination is a congressional, congregational church, the members, you know, they govern the church, the deacons, you know, usually have a little power, you know, they're going to support him. And, you know, he may step down for a moment, stop preaching, or whatever he may do. Uh, but if you listen to his sermon that he gave on yesterday in regards to the um, accusations, he was clear that he was fighting the accusations and that he will fight wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, he says he's David with Goliath and he got his stones, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Our responsibility now is to pray and pray without ceasing and cover uh, not just him. You know, uh, it ain't about, it, it should not be all about him. But again, this is deeper because it's going to call, the, it's going to force the black church to look and examine itself. Um, holistically examine itself as far as practice, as far as uh, what we accept and don't accept, and it's really going to cause us to question our view of homosexuality. We must be prepared to to uh, to to address it in ways that um, it's informative, non-condemning, yet at the same time extremely aware that it's still sin. Okay, but that's that's just something I, I I did, you know. And again, truth will come out, and whether things are true or false, God knows. Because I, I share what I said. The God, the Bible teaches us that we have this ministry, and because we have this ministry, we should not faint, but we should renounce the hidden things of darkness. And all of us have hidden things. Myself, I have hidden things. Everybody has hidden things. We don't want folk to know. But we need to begin to renounce them and allow God to minister love and grace to us and be open. We don't just need to try to be, uh, as he said, he, you know, perfect. We're not. But we need to be open to rebuke. We need to be open to reproof. Repro- uh, reproof. We need to be above reproach, as the scripture teaches. We need to be open to rebuke. We need to be open to re- reproof, correction, and um, uh Consolation by the Holy Spirit And the Bible does teach us God says that in Hebrews 13 that uh, Or 12 That we are his children He corrects those that he loves And he did not correct us He did not chastise us see, He did not have the Holy Spirit convict us of sin The things of that nature Then we're not his children We're bastards And, and that's scripture But uh, I, I think I've covered a lot about that And y'all kind of Eddie longed out already So uh, we're going to take this break and we're going to go into the subject that we're going to be talking about, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week, uh, talking about church movements and uh, uh, what's going on. So after this break, we'll get into our topic. Peace. 
the Gospels had been circulating, but even in the writing and the compiling of the Gospels, you know, there were several uh, writings, there were several, several Gospel stories going around, and they compiled that when we had uh, uh, Council Nicaea met, and they compiled uh, not just the creeds that we have in Christian under the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, uh, but uh, our canon, the New Testament canon, what script, what books were included in the New Testament? Why were some some not included? Uh, why uh, are there the Gnostic Gospels as they come, some have become to be known? Uh, and then you had different sects and different cults, uh, even in the first century. And the uh, in the first century, when you had Bishop of Clementine, uh, Bishop Clementine, when he uh, wrote letters. Uh, after the apostles and a- after Paul and after all most of the, the apostles who had walked with Christ that they had gone on had either been martyred or you know just passed away and he was writing as the as the bishop uh, writing to the church writing letters to the church um, he clarified some of the movements he identified some of the movements and a lot of what we have uh, are kind of being recreated in this modern uh, church era. And it's it, like again, it says nothing new. Part of the reason that there have been so much divisions is because Christianity is unlike other uh, other religions, and and that um, for two reasons or two primary reasons. One, um, it is faith based. When I say faith based, not work based, although some would argue that um, uh, uh, it, it's basically surrounding about. Surrounding the uh, the faith of the apostles who saw Christ, and their word, as Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, pray he prayed for those who would believe on his on him because of the apostles, and it's also easy to kind of matriculate into the Christian faith and start your own thing. So you know that's how uh, cults and a lot of these cults they incorporate Christian. Uh, Christian teachings into their dogma and it, it gets lost and you know it's easy to get wrong, uh, uh, get get caught up in it. But I, I was saying all that uh, if you listen to the last broadcast, I went a little bit more in depth to various movements and various uh, councils and why those councils were called and what purpose they were fighting against. And uh, I want to touch on some more movements. Um, in particular in Western Christianity and more particularly in American Christianity, uh, we've had religious movements, revival movements that's been going on since uh, as early as the colonies itself. You know, in the 18th century, you had the first great awakening when you had Jonathan Edwards who was preaching great fiery, we formed Calvinist preaching. I mean, he was right on it. Then you had George Whitefield, uh, Whitefield, Whitefield, uh, Great Methodist preacher, fiery revivalist, and these guys um, went around the country. You know, circuit riders, that they would call you, they went around, and you had the first great awakening when people were coming to a, a, the new, renewed knowledge of the faith of Christ and, and got involved. And it helped the country to expand and hurt, helped the church to grow. And then you had a second one in the 19th century. Uh, uh, before the first, uh, before the Civil War, and then you had a, a small one after the Civil War, and then uh, and then in at the turn of the century, uh, you had the outbreak of the Pentecostal movement in, in 1906 with the Azusa at the Azusa Street Mission, where uh, Lawrence Seymour and William Seymour and these guys gathered in this this place and they began to fast pray and things happened. They began to speak in tongues and. And from that we get into all kinds of uh, holiness, well, uh, with holiness with the uh, Wesleys and their doctrine, but well, the holiness church led move, holiness church movement led to the Pentecostal church movement that has birthed several other things, yeah, several things: the Word of Faith, the uh, Latter Rain, the Kingdom Dominion uh, movement, the Full Gospel movement. All kinds of these things, um, and of course the apostolic movement. And I want to, I want to touch on all of those as many as I can uh, in the few minutes that I have. But uh, in 1906, what what was phenomenal is that 
it was the first time that an integrated service had happened, and as a result, you have the birth of denominations like the Church of God in Christ uh, that was integrated at first. It was an interracial denomination until some of the white members, of course, were they believed in segregation, and they broke off, and they formed the Assemblies of God, uh, things of that nature. But you have this long, rich history of this Pentecostal movement over the past 105, 104, 105 years. Now, what what has come from that is, is kind of what we're seeing today with uh, Bishop Long. You have you have facets of this movement that have gone into extremes. You have facets of this movement that have uh, just gone uh, so far, you know. Um, we, we talk about revivalism and revival movements, and as I said, in American Christianity, we have not been short of any kind of uh, revival move, movement. You know, we have the movement of D.L. Moody, um, um, the faith healing movement of the 40s and 50s with uh, Oral Roberts, um, uh, primary, prolific, prominent person of that of that movement who later started Oral Roberts University. Uh and of course you have Billy Graham, um, um R. A. Torrey, um, um all kinds of guys were involved in that um in the movements of the mid to latter part of the twentieth century. But uh one phenomenon that's been happening particularly since the beginning of two thousand is uh a new outbreak of revivals is kind of strange. Um, you have you've had several revivals. Uh, uh, there was one in Texas. There was one in Florida, Lakeland, Florida. There was one in Toronto. And uh, these these movements, these birth, these movements had strange things. You know, you had um, people what was called holy laughter, you know, just uh, uh, outbursts. Impromptu outbursts of laughter for nothing. You had those who were claiming um, healings, and some people claiming gold teeth. God was put, God was putting gold in their teeth. And yeah, <laughs> it's kind of those kind of weird things. People barking and uh, saying that this was Holy Spirit inspired. Uh, people rolling on the floor um, and you know having all kinds of convulsions. And, and things like that. and then not to mention the the men and women who were involved uh where most of them their lifestyle did not reflect what they preached or in one case in the most recent one down in Florida, uh the guy Todd who was doing that, Todd Bentley who was involved in that or the leader of that, you know, he was <laughs> kicking people and elbowing he was really, really, really kinda rough with the people. <laughs> And then later, you know, he got involved in immorality and divorced his wife and things of that nature. So uh, why am I talking about that? The reason I'm talking about that is because uh, in, many, in many places the church has been quick to quick to accept uh, movements or things without question. Because anytime something – we're so in, in search of renewal, revival, and all kinds of things. So when things different happen – was quick to run to it without really testing. And the Bible teaches us that we are to test the Spirit by the Spirit to see if they are the Lord. And, of course, in the atmosphere where the person uh, leading a revival has this uh, I'm anointed, can't touch me, don't question me kind of mentality, it does lead to a lot of things. And and the outset of Pentecostalism has flowed even into uh, traditional evangelical Churches where more mainline church. Matter of fact, the charismatic renewal of the uh, '60s, where uh, involved mainline churches, Lutheran churches, Episcopal churches, Catholic churches, it was known for a while as the Catholic charismatic renewal because uh, the phenomena was outside of the Pentecostal church. So you had people in mainline churches, Roman Catholic churches speaking in tongues, seeing spiritual gifts and things of that nature. And as a result, you know, this led to in uh, uh as a part as a result of that in the late 60s you had churches 
breaking away from denominations because they, you know, they were being chastised, they were being um, cut, chastised. Uh, they were, they, you know, you, they were, they were feeling the scrutiny of practicing those things, those charismata, the gifts of the spirit. They were, uh, they were, you know, so they were excluding a lot of them. This leads to the independent, non-denominational churches, and this lead, that led to non-accountability for a lot of people. You know, you had a lot of people who were just starting their own churches, and they were their own pastors, they were their own bishops, they were everything. And <laughs> they were not to be questioned or, you know, and it led to uh, practices that were not fully, fully vetted by either the congregation or the pastors or the, those leading the service. They, they just wanted the new next thing. And we got that, and you know now you have some of everything going on, and, and it's, it led to a renewal of the apostolic and prophetic giftings in the church. And, and I'm not denouncing or denying that there, are, there are truly some people who walk in those giftings as prophets and apostles, uh, pastors, teachers, uh, according to what Ephesians 4:11 says, uh, and what has commonly become known as the fivefold ministry. But again, all things unchecked. You're going to see havoc, hell breaking loose. You're going to see uh, error. And that has come about in uh, most of Western Christendom because the more people become experiential, seeking experiences uh, to uh, to authenticate their faith, well, they're going to see more experiences and they'll seek less the spirit of the authentic, true spirit of God because they'll have all the experiences. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we're going to get back into some more some more uh, of the, the church movements that I think uh, we need to address. Be right back after this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just take it back a little bit. One, two, three, say Might as well go on ahead and get your dance on. Jesus, be a man.
Oh, you might as well get your dance on. Come on. Feel the turn. Cause I need protection A protection A protection All I'm Protection A protection A protection Yesterday, 
uh, we are supposed to renounce the hidden things. God knows us. The Bible says in Psalm 139, you have searched me and know me. You know my rising, my going up. There's nothing I can hide from you. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I even go down to the depths of the hell, you're there. So the, the, what they're looking for is authentic believers who are not willing to compromise for anything. And unfortunately, in a lot of the moves that we have, uh, there's a lot of compromise. I got a caller. Uh, bring this caller on. Hello, caller. You're on the air. God bless you, man of God. This is Pastor Stephen Amaker of Deliverance by Faith. Uh, we've been chatting in the chat room, uh, and I enjoyed everything that you're saying. You are so, so on point. So I got to love you. I got to like what you're saying, because what the Lord is speaking through you to now is exactly what He is saying. I just came from. Uh, I just matter of fact, got back Saturday. I was in three and a half weeks of different revivals, and I was wow. telling my wife yesterday. Uh, I said, you know, all these different ministries that I've been in, and you touched on that. Yes, they have buildings. Yes, they're in the buildings. They have the people or what have you. But in all these churches I went to, I'm still waiting to see the presence of God. <laughs> and yet all these people were having church, having revival. And we're doing things. The body of Christ is doing things. Because we're doing things, like you just said, out of our own strength, out of our own power, but yet the things that are supposed to happen, there's no healing, there's no deliverance, there's nobody yeah, filled with the Holy Ghost, there's nobody getting demons cast out. Why? Because the presence of God is not there. The glory of God. And, brother, if you're not busy, uh, I want you to, to, to join me tomorrow at 7 o'clock because we're going to talk about this even more. I just today, just to let you know how I'm saying we're on the same page, because I just today posted, I'm going to do a broadcast tomorrow at 7, and we're going to talk about where's the glory. Yes, and I can understand that because, again, uh, we in, in Western Christianity, we've been trained to do that. Uh, I've been around churches where, you, you know, coming up out of a denominational church, what people would call it boring because, you know, there's no live feeling per se. You know, there's no jumping yeah. or shouting or anything like that. Yet there's the presence of God and people go home changed or renewed or it's whatever they need. And, you know, uh, I've been around the Pentecostal. I've been around all of these those things. And most times it's, we basically we, we get caught up in emotion and we fail to authenticate yeah. authentically experience God. And you know, what's what's really what's really happening is you know, people actually people actually get surprised when there's a real miracle. Uh mm. when someone is actually healed. Uh yeah. when someone is actually transformed right before their eyes, actually delivered, you know, set free right then, right there. Or when some you know, when people come back to life as a result of the prayers of the righteous, or when when demons are really cast out, and I'm not talking about you know these emotional flights that most people have, no. and they come back right. every week for the same type of deliverance. There you go. Uh, I'm talking about, and that's where the ch church is lacking. Now, the yeah. Pentecostal movement and all of that brought to light those those elements that had been dormant in the church for so long, and now they've been taken to another extreme because every week. In most churches, people want to see something new. They want to see something different. Mm. And they don't mm. yearn for God's prevailing and present work. And, and and what you're saying, you know, like you said, you're hitting, it on the, you're hitting the nail so on the head. Because the worst part about that, the church is going out into the world and bringing what they're doing new into the house of God. Yes. And like you said earlier, the world is supposed to come to the church, not the church go to the world. In other words, for our new, for our, we're, the, the world is supposed to emulate the church and not the church emulate the world. And exactly. then when you're bringing in different things and, well, the world is doing this, so let the church do it. And, and it is not supposed to be. That's, that's not the mix that God wants because we are spiritual. And, and and to to see people delivered and what have you, that's a spiritual thing, and it cannot be done out of the natural. And 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 again, okay, a lot of diseases. I was preaching that the other day. A lot of diseases that is in the world today are 
as a result of spirits. Yes. And yeah. and you can't fight spirits with natural. So you're taking medicine to deal with the disease, and yet you're not you're not combating the disease. You're combating what the body is, and we need to, the church need to come back to the place like you were saying earlier that we can get people delivered. I, I heard a preacher on uh, TBN. I rarely watch it, but this occasion I watched TBN, and there was a mm. preacher on there, and he said that what the church needs is a radical return to holiness. That's uh, it. That's it. Complete. And complete. Holiness is, uh, is 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 a scary it's thing anonymous. for those of us. It's a scary thing for those of us who have been long programmed to enjoy the world because it causes yeah. you to renounce a lot of the things that the world says is enticing, and it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, and I'm not talking about the legalistic aspects of what to dress or how to look and things of that nature, but the authentic holiness, uh, realizing that you are a sinner saved by grace and you cannot do anything of your own. And as Paul wrote in Galatians uh, 2 and 20, uh, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, That's yet it. not I, but it's Christ that That's lives it. with me. And the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. And we'll begin to have that type of radical uh, reformation thinking, that, that, uh, that, that spirit. Then we will see a renewed emphasis on getting, we'll see God pouring out his spirit upon all flesh more. And all men beginning to turn their hearts and souls to God. And not reject him. Right now, uh, the church doesn't have much to offer to the world because it's the same atmosphere. There you go. That's it. It's, why? Why would you come into the church when you can have a, you know, the club experience in the church? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people my age, that's why they go. <laughs> you know, a lot mm-hmm. of them get dressed up because they're going to have the same or similar type of music in the church. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's something. But again, a lot of us, and I'm, I'm talking about myself. Included, uh, we're just afraid to embrace the real holiness that God has. Because once we embrace it, it's like, oh my God, look what I left behind. Well, look what I'm doing, uh, and, and it hurts because I'm like I can't do this. And the reality is, we can't. We're not. We we are not to try to do this of our own. It's God's Spirit That's that right. empowers us to do that. If the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, it's the same Spirit that is the one who can feel us. It's the same Spirit who is can keep us. So we, you know, we don't have to put the burden on ourselves. And that's what the problem is. We are trying to do it within ourselves, and it's impossible. You need the Holy Ghost to live holy, and without it, it's impossible to do. It's impossible to do. It's just like you got a brand new Mercedes Benz, six hundred, not five fifty, but you got a six hundred, one of the baddest cars on the planet. But you got the keys and everything. And you're like, man, look at my new car. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go for a ride. They say we can't go for a ride. Why? Because there's no gas in there. Well, brother, what, I I'm, I'm going to have to catch a show. What time is it again? 7 o'clock? Tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock Tuesday. Right here on Blog Talk. Evening? Deliverance evening Fox in the Faith. morning. Evening or the morning? Oh, tomorrow evening. I'm sorry. All right. Brother, we're going to make sure that we call in and be a blessing to you because you've definitely been a blessing to us. Uh, we're grateful that you um, you called in and shared that uh, because God knows that we are in need of that. We are in need of reformation. We are in need of what Christ really requires for us. So if you listen to me, tune in, Deliverance by Faith, all tomorrow at 7 o'clock. We'll do our best to get it. Also, thank you for joining us.